Hello, everybody, and welcome to this extra bonus episode of Into the Prey, Breaching the Chaos of the Church. For those of you who listen regularly every week, or maybe several times a week, you'll be very familiar with me saying breaching the chaos of the church. And occasionally, that is a bad thing because we kind of it, it just washes over us, what rolls over us, and it doesn't really mean or um, provoke in us, result in us the I think the emotions that we should have when we think about the chaos of the church, which I think is the is the kind of mourning that we see at the beginning of Isaiah 61, where in the first few verses, the first I think it's the verse three or four, where it talks about mourning in Zion. When we talk about the chaos, breaching the chaos of the church, it's a, with a steely sense of um, being jealous for the hallowing of the name of our Father above all things. Um, and in that sense, it's, it is a steely determination to be faithful, to, to honour him, to remember that he was marred, but Jesus was marred beyond human likeness. Um, and in the words of that Stuart Townend song, how deep the Father's love for us, how deep the Father's love for us. Um, if we can't stand for truth and faithfulness, what can we do? If we're not living for that, and so occasionally there are things that happen in in the public life of this country that that makes me feel that that sting or the mourning of the chaos more than others. And uh, as those of you will know who listen to this podcast, we've had some really good guests on recently, and it has been a it's been a joy to meet with all of the different types of guests that we have on here. We're not trying to be as ecumenically wide reaching, far reaching as possible. That's not our brief. If you want that, you can go to other podcasts who are being deliberately as widely inclusive as possible. Um, that's not, again, that's not our calling and that's not what we'll be doing. But in recent weeks, we've had Gavin Ashenden and Michael Nazir Ali on as two very high profile Anglicans. Gavin, who had uh, converted to Catholicism about two years ago, and there's a, there's quite a long Aaron plus session with Gavin where I talked with him he was very kind enough to get in touch and actually asked to come onto the podcast so he's the first person that's ever done that um so I was more than welcome uh, more than happy for him to come on he was more than welcome um and still is and I think we're friends you know there's no falling out or anything and and same with Michael Nazir Ali who and the news broke yesterday and this is what I'm getting at that he he is Michael has converted to Catholicism um and simply all I'm wanting to do in this bonus episode of Into the Prey this week is to read read out loud the blog, the written form, the 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 blog article that I wrote earlier this morning. Um, I felt stirred in my spirit yesterday when I found out about it, and as I started to think about it, and let me just tell you this, and this is something that I don't include within the blog because I was deliberately trying to keep it very short and to the point. Um, one of the reasons, just an insight for you listening. Um, that, I, that was going around my head yesterday as I reflected on yet another high-profile Anglican converting to Catholicism was that I was out recently and bumped into a friend who, um, with his wife, a young guy, a bit younger than me, maybe 10, 15 years younger than me, and turns out that he's recently um, made the difficult decision from what I could tell in all good conscience and in good faith and with good reason to leave the church that they'd been at. Um, we didn't get into any depth of conversation to to know exactly um, 
what the rationale for that was. And of course, it's, it is possible to leave churches and make a decision to come, you know, for, for wrong reasons, for bad reasons. I think a chap called Alan Jameson, his book, a Churchless Faith, actually looked into that very clearly, where people that leave churches or indeed leave the denominational setup of church are often characterised as caricatures, really, of just very immature, spiritually immature individuals. And that is often the, the context for people leaving church. And so that is possible and that is a reality. And in fact, I think that's the bedrock of the ex-evangelicals. However, I'm not sure with my friend recently whether that was... I don't know what the context is, is all I'm trying to say. But within the conversation, it came out that he'd been researching Catholicism. Now, if if my friend so happens to be listening to to this podcast this morning and it kind of joins the dots... Uh, and makes the connection. I'm sure. I hope at least he doesn't. He doesn't mind me mentioning all of this anonymously. But th- it's serving to make this point that people are looking at the chaos of the church and are quite rightly and understandably exploring Catholicism because, in many ways, Catholicism looks to be more biblically faithful than Protest- Protestantism or Evangelicalism. You know, it's it's more faithful over issues to do with the family, to do with abortion, to do with the Bible in many ways. And yet, as we've explored on this podcast with Dave Brennan, and as I say, we're thankful to have been able to meet with with Gavin Ashenden and former chaplain to the Queen, and Michael Nazir Ali, who's now converted as well. We've explored this quite thoroughly, I would say, and have come to the overall conclusion that this, this is not even a starter. That looking at the state of the church, the chaos of the church, and realizing, and I think this is what's happening more and more, is that there's a dawning realization of the need for radical reform. And I think the devil is working overtime to make that synonymous with, with conversion to Catholicism. I think that we may be in the early days of that, I don't know. But for these two high profile guys who, in many ways, have put their hand on their heart with a desire to be faithful, to not be able to see beyond converting to Catholicism, I think is a profound short-sightedness. And I think it's ultimately a lack of courage. And so I wanted to say that because I'm making the connection more and more as I see this dawning realization across the West, across this denominational setup, that something is is more adrift and more seriously wrong than we realize. And that as such, there needs to be a, a radical change. But if we think that means converting to Catholicism, we're playing straight into the enemy's hands. And I I believe, as I conclude in this article that I'm about to read to you now, is a profound work of darkness. So this is the article entitled, English Bishops Converting to Catholicism. Friday, October the 15th, 2021. I'm compelled to offer this brief response to yesterday's news that Michael Nazir Ali has converted to Catholicism and that he could be ordained in the Catholic Church as soon as next month. Following Gavin Ashenden's conversion to Catholicism in recent years, this news perhaps doesn't come as such a huge surprise. I interviewed both Michael and Gavin over on YouTube to provide more nuance, especially in longer conversation with Gavin. Please feel free to go over and watch them. I'm grateful that these high-profile spiritual leaders and fathers are taking such a drastic course of action, not because their thinking is correct and faithful, but because their headlines are broadcasting to the entire cosmos 
that there is a gargantuan problem, nay, chaos, within the body of Christ. The ongoing widespread delusion of church leaders about this not being the case is one of the main reasons that it endures. There's also a related vlog series on YouTube called The Church in Great Britain that started last week. Please feel free to go and find that as well. This latest conversion of Nazir Ali is further proof that the church is in critical freefall chaos, a primary symptom of which is Satan's inculcation of Catholic solution as a plausible remedy. The exact problem with both Ashenden and Nazir Ali and others is that they are not fully wrong. Their assessment of the establishment of the Church of England is bang on. We must get out. However, like a pimp's walk of shame from one whorehouse to another, it is a ludicrous solution for an adulterous bride and a false-spawning, quote, gospel to ignominiously traipse to another brothel in search of fidelity. Rather, in order to navigate and survive this ensuing and ramping chaos of the church, to be faithful to Jesus who is coming soon, there is need for greater vision and greater courage. I fear that the blinkered, decades-long result of entrenchment in an institution such as the Church of England is a chronic lack of both. Where is the repentance? Where is the national spiritual leadership? Where is the vision to conceive by the Holy Spirit a new way forward? Where is the truly root-level radical? Where is the new wine and the new wineskin? Where is the spiritual violence? The message that this trend is sending to the kingdom radicals, now being primed for the future travail of the church, i.e. that converting to Rome is the answer, is, in my opinion, the profound work of darkness. Matthew chapter 11 showcases both the gentleness and lowliness of Jesus as reflected hugely in the lives of these two dear brothers. But I fear that it is also displaying a prophetic spiritual violence of the kingdom of God that is almost entirely absent from our British church context. I'm going to read that again. Matthew chapter 11 showcases both the gentleness and lowliness of Jesus as reflected hugely in the lives of these two dear brothers. But I fear that it also displays a prophetic spiritual violence of the kingdom of God that is almost entirely absent from our British church context. Isn't this latest Catholic conversion headline only further proof that the genuine preparation of the Bride of Christ for the return of Christ will integrally involve the turning of the hearts of the fathers to the children? See Malachi 4 and Luke 1. And an underground knee-worn desperation that is simply incompatible with this kind of ecclesiological rationale. We come to pray, Lord, knowing that the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective and that we're only righteous because you have made us to be alive to God in Christ Jesus, that you have redeemed us, that you have given us the testimony the say-so story of the redeemed. And Lord, we want to say so now as we come to you, that we come and approach your throne of grace with great boldness, great, great adoption, the testimony of being covered 
by the blood of the Lamb, that our lameness at your table has been covered by the wood of your dining table. And I pray now in that confidence, knowing, Lord, that you hear that our words as we pray together, as we agree, come into your ears, that you move mightily, that you move heaven and earth as your people, as your children pray, as they come to you. And Lord, we want to confess our prayerlessness. We want to confess our distraction by worldly things and worldly appetites, the lust of the eyes, the love of the world. And we often feel lukewarm, Lord, and we don't want to be. We know that you stand in the midst of the lampstands, longing for your people to wake up and repent. And so we we do that now. We come, each of us individually before you, thinking of the things that you, the areas that you've given us the grace of insight into where we know that they aren't honouring of you, where they aren't glorifying of you or true to who you say you are or true to your word. And we ask you, Lord, please grant a spirit of repentance, not only for our most private places, that innermost part of the heart, Psalm 51, 6, but that you would grant something like a tsunami of repentance, a spirit of repentance across the entire nation of Great Britain. And we pray for the nations of the West. And we don't want to presume to think beyond our borders because we don't know. We, we live here and so we can only pray for here. And we ask in that sense that you would move in this nation with a great spirit of repentance. And not only repentance, but of Ephesians 1.17, the great, your great spirit of both wisdom and revelation and that there would be a, a response of both wisdom and revelation at this hour in the church, that wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, Jesus, that we would come to know you better. And like children, we come now keeping on, continuing to ask you for the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of being able to discern between spirits and that utterance of knowledge and the utterance of wisdom and above all, Lord, eagerly desiring the gifts of prophecy. And Lord, I pray for the church in Great Britain again, and I pray for this trend that we're seeing of faithful men who long for, to be faithful to you, but who I think are wrong. I think who are making things worse. And Lord, I pray that where there's a limitation of vision or a limitation of courage, where there isn't communication wisely to the public to understand to make sense of why would you convert to Catholicism Lord I pray for I pray for these men and I ask you to reveal greater vision to them and greater courage to them so that they wouldn't retreat into another form that has led them to the point of conversion another guise that has led them to the point of despair but that there would instead be a, a new understanding of what you have always meant your people to be as the church and that there would be such radical upheaval across every gathering, across every church in this nation. And for every true believer, everyone who is genuinely sealed by the blood of the Lamb, Ephesians 1.13, sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption, that engagement promise and an engagement token of the consummation. Everyone who is genuinely redeemed and born again, Lord, I pray that there would be such radical upheaval in our lives so as to come to you, come to you on our knees in that place of desperation and that you would do something, orchestrate something nationally that would be so breathtakingly unexpected 
and unpredictable, that there would be this sense of surely God is among us, that there would be an awakening, a recognition of you moving in the midst of a nation that has grown so sleepy and so cold and so deathly irrelevant to the many, many lost people who don't know you at all. Lord, I pray for your people, your covenant people. I ask, please, Lord, do a spiritual miracle as you already have within each of our hearts to even think about you properly. Please, would you move? Would you please reveal what the answer to this rampant cultural Marxism is, to this rampant spiritual death and dearth of authority in your church and in the churches? And so, Lord, I pray for mercy. Have great, have great grace and great mercy upon your people. Please let there not be another hiatus. Please let there not be a swelling of some kind of false conversion to Catholicism. Please let there not be another mass deception. Lord, let there be rather the great mercy of revelation in the knowledge of who you really are and how you want your people to be. We pray for the church in Great Britain. We ask you, please, Lord, have mercy. Move mightily in great power undeniably bring your people truly to their knees not to just something that looks like a radical conversion i pray come lord jesus we pray maranatha come lord come lord jesus come speedily come soon let your people be found ready in jesus precious name amen <laughs>